This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, our very special Sunday mailbag edition. It is special, if not only because I'm joined by Andrew Ram Page. How are you, buddy? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, how are you? I'm very, very well, thank you. Listeners, you'll be happy to know we got the Bitcoin conversation out of the way before this podcast was recorded. So unless Andrew finds a small chink in my armor, we hopefully <laughs> will assume that's uh, that's been run and won. What do you reckon, mate? I love those conversations. And, um, <laughs> They're really fun, actually. We we would we would we would probably get these pods done. <laughs> really quickly except that we, we we connect on zoom and then we just like chat for like four hours oh actually we should probably do a podcast probably do a podcast that. exactly that yeah. no, it's a hundred percent true mate one day we'll do a behind the scenes podcast but uh, not today not today uh mate hopefully uh by the way this is going out at the right time this morning because today being sunday is the first day of daylight saving uh for the summer uh, yes. of 2023 24 so uh if the if the clocks are working and everything's being done properly, you'll get this the usual time, or you'll get this later. I think if you're in the non-daylight saving states. So uh, either way, the whole clock gets a bit weird from today. Uh, what time you you get this podcast may depend on which time zone you're living in, but we will still try and get it out early on Sunday morning so you can enjoy. For those of you who want to go for a run, go for a walk, uh, mow the lawn, do whatever you're going to do in the morning. Uh, hopefully you can enjoy this podcast as you do all that. And, and hopefully we don't confuse the cows too much and the uh, curtains don't fade a little bit extra <laughs> in some places. Oh, there goes our Queensland listeners. Uh, it's been... <laughs> <laughs> Andrew is nothing if not completely disregarding of the number of people who listen to this podcast. And I appreciate that about him. <laughs> There's some fierce independence going on right there. Absolutely. Mate, mate um, uh, Friday's podcast was fun. We, we got through some heavy stuff and it was uh, very cathartic. Let's try and, uh, let's try and go uh, to the, our listeners' questions this time around. Um, and we'll start with one from Andrew who starts with possibly the best or maybe the second best. I'm not sure. You can tell me whether the Roy and HG... Uh, uh, Epithet was appropriate. Or this one. And it says, Hi, guys. I have a question for the Lennon and McCartney of free ASX-focused investment podcasts. Oh, I'll take that. I thought it was going to be like a Burton and Ernie or like a Ren and Stimpy or, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. Ren I'll take that comparison. You are showing your age with Ren and Stimpy, can I say. There's only a very specific generational cohort who would reference. Before that, after that, no idea. The Ren and Stimpy oh, that- fans, they know what Ren and Stimpy is. Oh yes, uh, you know what? Actually, late the other night, I just happened to have the the free to air TV on, which I, just, I never watch these days. Right, right, right. Remember, Snippy came on. It was like, oh, <laughs> such a blast from the past. It was That's yeah. Anyway, if you, if you below a certain age, just 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 YouTube it and then scratch yes. your head. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They watch what? Uh, Beavis and Butthead might be the other one that. Uh, oh, there's another one. Yeah, another another time. good throwback. But no, yeah. the Lennon and McCartney, according to Andrew, he says I've had a question answered previously, so I thought I'd go again. And my question this time is around idea generation, which I love. How do you find new ideas and companies to analyze and possibly purchase? Andrew says, I'm a 28-year-old paramedic. Well, thank you, mate. So I certainly don't do stock picking as a profession, and I don't have any idea where to go in terms of looking for new ideas. I'm more interested in Ram's sphere of smaller cap companies. So I find it harder to find new companies that aren't hyper-speculative pharmaceutical or mining businesses. And haven't made a single sale or a dollar of profit. But the topic can still be applied to any area of the ASX. Do you go fishing or do you think I should go fishing in my area of expertise or day job? He says financial companies, healthcare, retail, etc. Or do you try and broaden your horizons? What media do you utilize? Podcasts, The Fin, Reddit? 
I'm a Motley Fool subscriber, thank you, which I'm happy with, but I want to be able to maximize my pool of potential options so I'm fully informed before I buy. Thanks, Andrew. Really good question, mate. I'm going to make you go first because this is a big one. Yeah, I was, while you were talking, I think, how do I answer that without, <laughs> exactly. without shilling straw man? I don't mean to, but I, like, that's, no. the truth is I do. Right? Like, that was the whole raison d'etre. Yeah. Was, yeah. was also the reason to, for me. Yeah, the reason for being it, it really is like it, like because I I think that the easy answer here is mm. to say do a do a scan and there's a whole bunch yeah. of software that will do this and yeah. I think I've said before on the pod I'm not a fan of it it mm -hmm. just I I especially if you are in small cap land mm. if you're looking for more established dividend paying companies there's great value in in sort of using a scan to refine things but the the trouble with not the trouble. The reality with earlier stage companies is that they're at a st stage, and anyone who's run a business or established a business knows this, right? Like you, you raise capital or you take your own money and you invest it in plant and equipment or these days more likely websites. You spend, all the money gets spent up front. Yep. And, and you have to hire people. You need someone to do some marketing. You need someone to do some development. You need someone to do some sales and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, admin, bookkeeping, all this kind of stuff, and all, all that all that you see on your statement of income is loss yeah. and zero revenue. Yeah. And so everything looks terrible. Um, and there's a lot of companies that just stay in that stay in that place because business is hard, and it's it's not to be critical. It's just most businesses don't ever get out of that stage because they just don't find enough traction. Mm. Um, but even the ones that do <laughs> don't reveal themselves mm. initially. In fact, mm. there's a bunch, I've said before, there's a bunch of companies in my portfolio that are making a loss and it'd be easy. And in fact, a younger version of myself would have said, why on earth are you investing in loss-making companies? My answer these days, a little bit more nuanced is like, well, I don't expect that loss to, to be there forever. But my point is, is that when I'm scanning for the kinds of things that a sensible person would rightly look for, I want really high re returns on invested capital, return mm. on equity or whatever net profitability metric you want to use. I want low levels of debt. I want steady share counts. I want, you know, uh, rising profit per share. All, all things that are, are great to have. You just, you don't get them in small cap until, and by the time that they've sort of revealed themselves, a better part of not you've got to be careful here. It's like you can still do extremely. <laughs> you don't have to be first in the gate to, to do well. In fact, yeah, I, yeah. I really encourage you to, I think you can do extremely well by being quote unquote late to the party, but, but investing at a higher price, but a much lower risk adjusted sort of price. Um, but you, you, by the time something is obviously a great business, a good part of that is gone. And my favorite example, I'm sorry for repeating it, is Prometicus, right? Mm. Like, it's, you know, it's God knows how many hundreds of billions of dollars of, you know, market value <laughs> now. It's like on 123p, it's, it's kind, of, it's kind mm. of, you know, at the time to, when when you, the people who made the really great returns on it wasn't that obvious back, back in the day. So what you need to do, I think, is... Um, uh, Read a lot. Mm. Where, where, mate? Where, where, where do you start? If you, if you literally, you, you've come off the of the spaceship, you say read a lot. Say, well, I don't know. Where do I, where do I start there? Where do I get ideas from? Where, where, how, how do you find Prometheus matter? Some of those. I mean, they're not going to be in the fin, right? Or they are now, probably because they're big. But they, they, weren't, now, they weren't. Yeah. They weren't around. Um, is there a? Is there a? 
is there a place to start? I mean, you know, you said there are 2,000 companies. You don't do a screen. So start with the A's or, <laughs> you like, know. I won't, I won't shill, sure, man. So, so you could, there's a bunch of small cap fund managers who write regularly um, uh, because they're trying to attract capital, right? That's that's their business. But they'll they'll put out a lot of their, our, our, they'll, they'll, they'll often feature a company that it will be way outside of the top 300. You, Twitter is great. Twitter is fantastic. You, you, you'll be able to curate a good list of follows there. And you've got to be careful. I mean, like just social media in general, like take everything with a grain of salt. Approach it with a healthy degree of skepticism. Understand that everyone is talking their book. But if we're talking idea generation, mm. you will, I think, through that process, come across things that you might not have otherwise had a look at. Then, then once someone's, oh, this... This person's talking about this mm. company, never heard mm. of it before. Then I just go to asx.com, totally free. Mm. Dig up the latest presentation, dig up the latest annual report and read read the damn thing. And, and you know, if that sounds like hard work, well, it kind of is. Yeah. You know, like if, 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 if getting incredible returns was easy, we would all do it. That, that, is, that is why you do it, I think, is because mm. most people don't want to do that. And if you're the kind of person who can take a bit of an active interest in this, and I, I think you, you'll find that you build up a library over time. So on day one, you're not going to be aware of anything. Uh, a week later, you'll be aware of five, six companies that you didn't know of a week before. A year later, you'll know a whole bunch. And there are, there are. Com- I'm such a broken record when it comes to companies because I just, I just keep coming back to the ones that I know really well. I probably <laughs> should venture out, but I just, like, I, I, I know them so well, right? Yeah. And it's just, I don't need the novelty of something new, as long as I feel as though things are more or less on track there. Yeah. And every now and again, you'll just, you know, whether it's. Uh, you know, I'll go to other podcasts. There's like a thousand podcasts out there. No, there's you know, not. Listen there's just this. this one. <laughs> you'll, you'll find all kinds of people talking yeah. about different companies that you go, huh? And then I'll have a look, and then have a look at. And and I, I wish there was an easier, shorter cut way of doing it, but there's not. I'm going to um, I'm going to I'm going to disagree with you on one point, mate. Which is just I wouldn't eschew screens for the sake of it in terms of just throwing up some other company names that might give you a starting Oh, yeah, point. true. Yeah, true. So that, that, don't don't use a screen and then buy just the results of the screen. That That's not going to help you. When we say screen, by the way, it's a fancy term just for saying using using a computer to find certain attributes uh, that are shared by certain companies and say, show me all the companies that have X attribute. I have regularly in smaller company land, mate, um, actually looked at, your point of profit is really good. I actually look a lot at the revenue growth as a starting yeah, point. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, you know, don't screen, uh, now, I, I, revenue growth is not enough, but, but you know, looking for, for it's, profit It's growth, a start. Well, yeah. You know what, re- revenue growth says that we've actually got a commercial product or and service. And more people are liking it than did this time last year. It's a good start. It's a really good start. So, it's a good start. But not the end, but it's a really good start. So I, I would Definitely use a screen for end. that. I have done in the past. Um, and again, think about mispricing, right? You're looking for ideas, Andrew. You're looking for ideas, not just that are good businesses, but ones that market's missing. Um, if everyone's doing the same thing, then you're going to pay the same price as everyone else and get the same results as everybody else. So you're looking for something yep. different. Revenue growth is a great way to start. Um, just look into those businesses, why their revenue is growing. Can, can I understand the business? Do I know what's going on? I love your fund manager letter idea, Andrew. I think it's really good. Um, business with certain attributes yeah. too. Um, you, you asked, do we look in certain sectors? Not gen- I don't generally do that, but 
I also find that you often can end up with finding ideas. Start with companies you like or, or that look attractive. What you'll often find is their competitors can either be sometimes as bad or as good. We talked about airlines on Friday. Um, technology tends to be a pretty good place because they tend to have pretty good economics, as Andrew already mentioned. So that that's really that's really useful and very worthwhile. The last thing I would say, Andrew, is don't don't um not not Andrew Ram Page, but Andrew who sent mm-hmm. us the message. Um, don't don't embrace the FOMO too much. Ram made a really good point about you know I could look for other companies, but I know this one's really well and this is this is enough. I don't need novelty, and so there is some sense of but what if there's a better idea out there? You'll drive yourself mad trying to get your head around every possible opportunity before you do anything. Um, buy, find find good stuff that you think is going to be market beating. That's kind of what you need to do, right? Now, there might be the the great, you know, uh, discovery out there somewhere. Trust me, if it's good enough, it'll come across your, your, your desk at some point if you keep reading and keep looking. Because if we use revenue growth, for example, or start to do well, or people start to talk about this company that's done really well for X years in a row, was growing at a certain rate, um, those kinds of things tend to be pretty useful as, as starting points. In terms of... Um, the other, the other benefit of reading, and where I think your question actually is also really useful, mate, is thinking about business models and the way to think about companies. So there's one, there's one thing which is, Andrew's been doing this for a long time now, so when he looks at a small cap, he knows what he's looking for. Uh, that's harder to do when you're just starting because you don't know what you're looking for and you don't know what the companies are. So you've got, you got, you got both obstacles to overcome. Reading widely uh, about businesses, about the economy, about successful companies, about things that are going well and not going well, you start to build up, uh, to use Munger's phrase, a latticework of mental models. You start to, you start to learn and internalize those things that make companies great. And what that also does, it'll help for, throw up some opportunities, by the way, but it'll also seriously shortcut your analysis because you can discard stuff much more quickly. What has this business got that's unusual or different? Well, nothing. Okay, well, maybe not. Uh, you know, what, what's happening with revenue or gross profit or bottom line profit or the you know the operating model of for example economies of scale or you know building up a a loss making uh, customer base before you then turn profitable once you hit a certain scale or whatever those things are uh, there's often a, there's often a, a range of options that, that come from that hey mate let's up let's can I, 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 I will throw this out there and I, I do this I do this because it's Go free on. so not not the shill but mm-hmm. um, it's not obvious on our homepage if you don't even have to create an account go to strawman.com mm-hmm. go to the companies tab up the top. And then click on rankings. Now this has all been delayed by a month, mm-hmm. but you'll just you just see a list of companies that were being discussed a month ago. But you'll see companies that tend to go in the small cap area. So things nice. like Laserbond, Envision, uh, and Terrace Technologies, Smart Parking. That's an interesting one. Juratech's an interesting one. Uh, you know, Max Seven Technologies. Now, I'm not. None of these are endorsements, by the way. Yeah. But I, I can be pretty confident that by reading out some of those names, a lot of listeners would never have heard of those companies. Mm-hmm. So it's a start, right? Yeah. It's a start, totally. and place. and yeah, just 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 check it out, and yeah, don't don't sign up. I'm not I'm not shilling. I'm just saying it's somewhere you might come across some names you weren't familiar with. Or sign up because you're going to get some some useful information from people. So you know, Ram, Ram won't, but I will. Uh, if you if you if you find that valuable, useful, useful, I'm going to say, mate, not about strawman at all. But I am going to because that kind of lends itself to other areas of community engagement and forums across the internet. No names, no pack drill. Um, just also be very very careful about the the. Oh um, yes. Sometimes the the wisdom of crowds, and sometimes the madness of crowds. Yeah. And so. Uh, you know the strawman community are fantastic, but there are other sites where all the knuckleheads talking about all the same things are just you know lemmings off a cliff. So just ju- don't mistake popularity or common view 
for success unless you know those people have been successful themselves in the past. So just just keep that in mind as well. If everyone's talking about this great new thing, maybe it's a great new thing, maybe it's the next Fortescue or Woolies or CSL, or maybe it's the next disaster waiting to happen and everyone's excited about the hot money's chasing because 100%. they're day trading this sort of rubbish. Well, I should mention too that the, the rankings are there on activity, not on likes. Yeah. You know, so, so it might be that there's a company that ranks really highly because everyone's talking about how terrible it is. Yes, <laughs> so, yes, yes. So please, or how great it is, but they're wrong. So it's, yeah, uh, Exactly. This is the, the the question was like as an idea generator, mm-hmm. and from that standpoint, and in fact, just anything, right? Well, like just to really hammer the point home, I'll use my favorite saying: you can borrow an idea, but you can't borrow the conviction, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't. Even if we opened up everything from the fool's yeah. walled garden and our walled garden, it's just mm-hmm. like, and you go, oh, that's what everyone likes. I'm going to buy it. That is that is a really <laughs> right. dumb. A dumb thing yes. to do, frankly, yes. because because at some point the market will 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 you know um, mm-hmm. have a little tanty and it'll fall down, and because you don't know anything other than some random guy on some random podcast on some random website said expressed yeah. a positive view on it, yeah. you will panic and you will do something that you that you potentially regret, and so mm-hmm. you you've, you've you've got to use that as a starting point and own the idea, and the only way you'll own the idea is by reading a hell of a lot and thinking a hell of a lot and coming to your own conclusion. I will take a very slight tangent, mate, and talk about two stocks I own, Solpats and Brickworks. Uh, as we record this on Thursday morning, the 28th, Solpats is down 6.1% and Brickworks is off by 9.3%. Uh, I, I will happily buy more shares at those prices for the record. Um, not that I'm shilling about the stocks either, but it's... So, my, and I just want to, I want to raise that because the companies I've talked about before uh, in this forum and other places. And if you had bought Solpats because you heard me mention it and then it falls 6% or you bought Brickworks down 9%, you'd be like, oh my God, Philip's an idiot. Uh, this thing's down. I thought he said it was a good stock I'm going to sell. Now, maybe it's a good idea because maybe these share prices are half from here. They're not going to, but maybe they could. Um, in that case, uh, you know, the, the, your point about borrowing conviction and the idea is really, really important, right? Because I'm looking at that going, huh, that sucks. I might buy more. Other people are going, oh my God, Phillips mentioned that I bought it on his idea. Now the shares are down. He's clearly an idiot. I'm going to sell my shares and go and buy what someone on Hot Copper wants me to buy. And that's okay. But um, the conviction is important, right? If you, I have I have high levels of conviction in those companies. The share price falls suck because it costs me some more money. Frankly, I'm kind of excited because I get to buy some more cheaply. Although not within two days of mentioning it now, I've done that. So it's Wednesday at least at this point. Um I'm an idiot for mentioning it, but there you go. I love our listeners too much. Not to. You uh, know what? Yeah. You must you must be devastated, mate, because now you're only up 35 percent over the last five years, excluding dividends. <laughs> the right? thing like, is, I just I just don't. Like, it just doesn't matter because long term, these I'm going to own these companies hopefully for decades. And if the shares fall now, I'm not going to remember. I'm, I'm not going to remember they did, let alone what day they did. Or I might get a chance to buy some more. Either way. Anyway, my point wasn't to talk about these companies or, or companies I own, other than your point about conviction. I, I I have a high conviction of these companies. I own them. I love them. I'll buy some more at some point. Um, I, maybe soon, maybe not. But other people who who heard me mention it once bought the shares and then went, I didn't really get what they did and I don't really know. And now I'm scared because the shares have fallen. Maybe the whole thing's over. Um, that that that's when that's the example of you talking about you know the conviction and versus versus the actual, so true you know, the idea it's, it feels like it feels a bit like us covering from our vantage yeah, point but we've, I think both of us have been doing it long enough to know that yeah. you sort of in good faith you oh well this is what I think because I love talking mm-hmm. about stocks I love it I'm, you know <laughs> yeah, but but, right. but it's just it's a very it's a minefield mm-hmm. right because firstly you can get accused of sort of like trying to talk your own book and oh, pump yeah. things like oh well no I'm not okay so yeah. now I'm going to be a bit guarded in what yeah, I'm saying and, right. or, you now know, you've got no conviction yeah yeah now I've got no <laughs> conviction and and then and then yeah. if you sort of say well no I I do like yeah. this and it's yeah. like I mean this this is this is the point that just bears repeating again and again and mm-hmm. you were the one who pointed this out to me. Um, 
actually, I think the best performing company since the turn of the century on the ASX is real estate. <laughs> surprise, mm. surprise, right? For a bunch of reasons that should not be a surprise. Um, but that is that is a, a stock that has had twenty percent drawdowns, like more mm. times than you know you can count. Right? It just it just happens all of the time, and so even when you're right, you're going to look. You're going to spend the majority of your time mm, below yeah. the previous high. You are. Yeah, yeah that's right. And yes, yes, it's yes. almost certain that when you do buy it, I'm not saying you buy this particular company, of course, but but you know you buy a company that someone's spoken positively on. Mm. You know, it's it's very good chance that in the next, in the short, even the medium term, it'll be down. And if you know, if you can sort of say uh, uh, five years later, I was like, oh, I remember talking really positively about that. No one cares. No one remembers. Right, so and, true. and 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 here's my favorite stat. Again, I'm sorry for repeating it, but Peter Lynch ran the Magellan Fund for was it Magellan Fund? Uh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, Magellan. Yeah, it was. Yeah, for twenty something years, and it was the, one of the best performing funds on record. In fact, most of his investors lost money. And, and he, what, crazy, how man. do I how do I square that circle? You're telling me this is the best managed fund in the U.S., like one of the best funds ever. How did I lose money? Well, you, he lost money because everyone only piled in when it was high. And the second that it went down, they sold. So they bought high, sold low, bought high, sold low. There was a small minority that just held through the whole time and they made squillions of dollars. And that is that is one of the most important things that you can internalize, I think, about uh, markets is that that will always be thus. I don't care yeah. how great AI gets correct, and correct. technology and scans <laughs> and filters get because no yeah. one's interested when it's down. Everyone's interested when it's up, and and you know, and 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 again, the person who says mm. I really like this, and especially in the mm. context that we talk about stocks, because we're not traders, we're not speculators, we're, we we mm-hmm. try to be part owners in a business. I will say I like company X, Y, and Z because I believe mm. over the next five, ten plus years that this mm-hmm. will be a much bigger, more profitable company. Mm-hmm. And all that anyone goes is, well, I remember listening to this idiot six months ago who said this, and it's down ten percent. What an idiot, you know? And it's it's sort of like it's frustrating. But and again, I'm not trying to sort of make excuses or mm. anything. Mm. But if you're gonna, I guess what I'm trying to do is put some personal ownership on things. If you're gonna be that person, expect the results that you're almost in, in, yeah, inevitably right. going to get. That's right. And that that's harsh, bit of tough love. And that's why you shouldn't listen to anyone, including us. You should you should own your own idea just to come full circle. And okay, I'll shut up now. <laughs> no, I like it, mate. It's really it's really really important. Hey, um, let's. This is I like this one too. Um, this is let's get a bit philosophical for a second. We've got a question from Tim who says, "How come individuals pay progressive tax on their income, yet companies and superannuation funds attract a flat tax rate? Do you think it would be fairer and maybe solve a few problems?" If they were all treated the same, hmm, it's a good question, isn't it? You, you go first on that one. All right, ah, uh, dear Tim, let me try and attack this from a couple of different angles. Um, the difference between individuals and companies and superannuation funds is that individual is limited in their labor uh, efforts, at least. We'll get back to capital in a minute. Uh, by the virtue of being one body and only having 100 and, was 168 hours a week, I think, from memory, um, to do to do the work. And so the, 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 the amount that I can do extra or less is, is kind of confined by that, the amount of value I can create. Now, hedge fund managers might get paid squillions of dollars. And again, there might be some errors on the outside, but that's kind of why we have progressive tax for those people. But it's my time doesn't scale. If you're a company and you're a corner store or Woolies, uh, you're, the capital scales 
effectively infinitely, but certainly in a very, very different way. So if I say, well, if I, if I earn more than $18,000, I pay 15%, I earn more than twenty, what if $35,000, I don't know the scales, I pay whatever percent. That, that's kind of re- proportional to a, a single person's output. And, and it's more equal that the, as much as we talk about inequality a lot, um, the inequality of income is far, far less than the inequality of corporate profits. But between my 10-year-old's lemonade stand and what's the biggest company in the world these days? Tesla, I think, largest company. Uh, By market of, cap, it would be up. Yeah, there. and probably profit-wise, it might be close to Berkshire. I don't know what the most profitable company in the, country, the world is. App- anyway, Apple would be up there. Yeah, let's call it Apple. Um, so, you know, the, my young looks up and understand Apple's profits. Um, it, it's very hard to say when and how you should apply a progressive tax rate on, on any sort of earned amount. And here's why. If you, if you said, let's take Woolies, right? Woolies is one entity. I don't know how much money it earns a year. Uh, it used to do about $40 billion in revenue. I'm sure it's more than that now. Um, whatever the number is. Let's say it's let's say it's $10 billion just for, to make my life easy. Uh, 1,000 stores, $10 billion worth of profit. They should $10 million attracts a 50% tax rate. If they broke those into 1,000 individual stores, sold them all off individually, and they paid, I know, rather than paying 50% on $10 billion, they pay 5% on, what does the number work out to? $10 million each. Uh, then it's then it's the structure you're taxing rather than the actual dollar value of profit, and you don't get that with people because you can't have more than one person per person if that makes sense. And so it's just, it's just it just scales really really differently. So it's a very very different thing to apply a progressive rate of taxation. The other thing is capital structures are always really really different. So think about the amount of revenue, the amount of capital expenditure, the margins. We talked about all these margins of six percent. Um, Apple's margins are probably I don't know twenty five percent. I would speculate. Pretty so again, decent. how do you how do you kind of how do you kind of align those? So I think because companies are kind of these artificial structures, and it could be partnerships, it could be trust, it makes no difference really. Um, they just they scale differently to human endeavor, human effort, human time, you know, per hour worked. And it just makes more sense that if you say, right, we're all gonna work 168 hours a week. If you happen to earn more than me and it's meaningfully more than me, because uh, you happen to be in the right job or have the right skills or whatever then you probably should contribute more to society in proportion to that extra ability to earn money over and above your basic cost of living, right? And that's, that's, where, it's, that's where progressive taxation works because, again, once you've covered your basic costs, they, they should be very affordable for everybody. And then after that, you know, if you, if you, if you can't buy three Lamborghinis but only two because your tax rate, well, that's probably fair uh, versus someone who needs to be able to buy a secondhand Hilux to get to work. So mm. that, that kind of progressive taxation works in that perspective. It is definitely different. And we see there's a very good argument to talk about the capital gains tax rates, for example, uh, as to how they should apply for non-earned income, earned being literally earned for labor rather than the money doing its own thing. Uh, definite, definite argument for that one. Uh, superannuation funds is, again, different because the fund itself isn't the person. Uh, it, it's a it's a structure. So a single fund could have up to six members in an SMSF these days, and a retail industry fund can have hundreds of thousands of members. And so again, how do you apply a tax rate for one member versus six members versus a thousand members versus hundred thousand members? Uh, progressively, you kind of can't do it. It's, it's not possible to do it that way because the fund is the fund. The fund isn't the members. Even if you have an SMSF, the law says the fund is separate to you as an individual, and the fund has a different structure. So I don't know that they, they need to be the same. I don't think it makes sense for them to be the same. What I do think is when the money is then moved or, or streamed from those entities, from companies or, or funds to individuals, then we should be absolutely more thoughtful about how that happens. 
And I think, for example, giving people tax-free superannuation payments in retirement, if you can take $200,000 worth of super out and pay not a cent in tax uh, as, you, as you spend that money, other than GST, I suppose, uh, that seems remarkably uh, unreasonable to me when you're paying you know, 38 cents in the dollar earning 100 grand of, of earned income. Those two numbers seem in stark contrast. So without getting too um, political or philosophical or, or ideological about it, um, I don't think a flat tax rate works for individuals. I think the reality is that we all should be in a perfect world able to afford the necessities uh, with a, a, at minimum wage, with a, a reasonable tax burden. And then after that, the people who earn more and therefore have more after-tax income uh, should be able to to chip in a little bit more to re- reflect their uh, extra earnings on top of minimum wage and other things and the amount of money that's um, that, that's made by others in, in that context. Frankly, people in my industry earn more money than people digging holes, not because my industry is any more useful to society, but because I can make some money for people and they're prepared to pay me more to do that, for example. Now, should I pay the same tax rate as someone digging the hole? I don't think so. If I earn more than them, I think it's more very appropriate for me to actually put in more of my income. Uh, to, to help fund things from society. Hedge fund managers who earn a million times what I earn should pay more again. I think that's I think that's totally reasonable. That's just my view though, Ram. Do you have a, a different or similar view? Oh, it's such a deep topic, isn't it? I mean, <clears throat> you can get into a lot of detail, but you know, I, I generally in favor of progressive. You know, I, I'd probably be at the stage where it's like, you know, beyond some very large, and a, and a very large number that, you know, it's 90% tax. <laughs> uh, I don't think that takes away the profit motive and incentive. Um, now we can debate where that up, that line is drawn and the rest of it, but yeah, I, I, I'm not going to add much there. I did want to say a couple of things. Um, I, I, I does I, I depress me that super has gone from this I, this means mm-hmm. of allowing us to provide for ourselves better <laughs> in retirement yep. to a to a tax haven yep. for the rich is just depressing. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's. And I do, I do think too that you know I think too many people. I said this mm. last time, whatever that we, that those that have had incredible success in life discount the privileged opportunities that they had by virtue of either their genetics or their 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 family or their connections. You know, so I, I don't I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that at a certain point that, mm. that you, you give a little bit extra back because you are giving, it's not a donation. You are, you are giving it back that that society has enabled you to create that wealth. And mm. at the same time, you need, you need to be rewarded for, if you've created genuine value for people yep. by offering a great service or inventing a great product. I mean, I'm the last, but I mean, absolutely. You should be really well compensated and that, that's going to incentivize a lot of people to do it. Mm-hmm. But we also, and there's a lot of great research out there that shows that after a certain point, I mean, money is sort of everything to, at, a, at a certain point, and then afterwards it's not, it's nothing. So it's, it's sort of like, you know, when you can't eat and you're living in a cardboard box, it really helps to have that extra hundred bucks. Mm. You know, when, when you're getting to the stage where it's just like, I'm worth, you know, 240 million, you know, to get to 340 million, what, what, what actually changes? <laughs> exactly. Like zero changes. Exactly. And it just becomes exactly. more of a, you know, a measuring, you know, of a certain organ, you know, mm. b- between you and your other rich mates at, at a certain mm. point. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I think we need to sort of recognize all of that in, in, in how we design it. The depressing thing is, mate, we talked about this on Friday, was that unfortunately the people who have the most say are the people who have the most money yeah. and, they, and they tend to, to structure things that in most favor to them, which is, which is just so depressing. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's probably... Hopefully that does, does the job, Tim. I think there is... Frankly, I'd rather look at the way people minimise tax and, and multinational tax collection, other things. If we're looking at if we're looking at fairness across the system, um, I agree with you, Ram. I've said many, many times about superannuation. And look, most people who are members of our services and frankly listen to this will probably be unhappy with us saying that. And I, I won't say I don't care, but I'm not going to pull any punches anyway. Um, the The reality is that superannuation was supposed to incentivise retirement savings, and the extent to which it does that is important. The extent to which it becomes an estate planning tool or a tax minimization tool is a bastardization of the of the whole approach. I, I'm you and I own a unity, unity ticket there, mate. Um, super should, should super should absolutely relieve the pressure on the federal budget, and it should provide for a an incentivized way to do that to the point where you get the pension plus something as a as, as a reward for making that effort and, and putting the money aside because you know you put your deferring consumption yeah. that that's completely appropriate once it goes past that I, my my very my solution is really simple ram um mm. I, w- I would simply say to people in your, your your superannuation payouts are taxable now as is as is the aged pension but at a higher tax-free threshold so if the pension is x a year put it at that plus i don't know pick a number 20 grand right mm. up to that you pay no tax so you can get the pension without paying tax. You get the pension and work more without paying any tax because, again, it recognises the tax-free threshold. You get the pension and get some super and not pay any tax because the super is designed to help. Mm. But once you get above a certain level above that, you start paying, speaking of uh, Tim's question, progressive tax. Mm-hmm. You pay 15 cents in the dollar, then 30 cents in the dollar, then 38 cents in the dollar, then 45 cents in the dollar. If you earn mm. 200 grand, earn, if you get 200 grand worth of superannuation, you know, streamed income, allocated pension, that the fact that should be tax-free, that you're not contributing anymore to society. Yes, you've contributed during your working life, but so are the people currently working. There is no there is no fairness in giving someone a, a tax-free income of 100, 150, 200 grand and, and slugging other people who are earning 30, 50, 80, 100 grand, you know, 15, 20, 30, 40 cents in the dollar. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's just fundamentally an unfair... Um, distribution of the burden of paying for the things that we all like and use yep we I like defense forces and police and roads and healthcare and you know the, the fact that we should pretend that just because it was in super and you know i'm happy for some super to be done uh, you know but i think that's that's the simplest way to do it and that way we're not saying to people you can't have more than a certain amount of super we're just saying good on you if you save money great if you've done well great you have to pay some in tax when you take it out because that seems just very fundamentally reasonable i don't i honestly don't know why well other other than for political you know cowardice reasons it's it's the simplest solution in the world it, it makes it fair across society um you know if if we've got two people listening to this and someone's on 150 grand with a free, tax-free super and the other one's digging a hole why should the person digging the hole pay the tax and the other person not pay any just because you have paid tax in the past doesn't give you a free ride for the rest of your life in my view yep the final principle i would apply mm-hmm. is simplicity so i yep. i would i would yes. yes there is too much friction in our economy yes. because the rules that are well-intentioned things mm-hmm. just get so complicated mm-hmm. that it's very hard un- unless you're on the most basic of sort of structures mm-hmm. it's very hard to do your tax and even then it's just annoying right like i i feel as though that any any tax policy should definitely have simplicity at its heart 
because we're all we're all it's far better of us as a society that we're all out there creating value for each other (laughs) than we're all spending weeks and weeks pouring through shoeboxes full of receipts and spreadsheets and trying to calculate this or that like that's just even if even if you could argue that that is better slash fairer slash whatever Mm -hmm. there is that i would i would forgo a a bit of that stuff for this Simplicity of things, I think, and I, that's why I think honestly, not, not that I have a perfect answer, but that's why this would be really simple, right? It's like whatever yep. the whatever the source of income when you're over sixty-seven, which is retirement age these days, or sixty-five for earlier retirees. Yep, you, you have a high tax-free threshold, but everything's taxable. Yep, easy. done. Like um, the, 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 you know, no, no, no silly And by the way, work-related tax deductions they can go negative gearing. That can go like it's, yep. it's really, it's really, really simple. Um, most of these things were put in because special interest wanted them. And I think to your point, mate, and you know what? The other thing, by the way, is people say, oh, we should really pay enough tax. Well, firstly, that's fine. You have that view. Secondly, if you want to pay less tax, get other people to pay their fair share. Mm-hmm. You know, when we say we're paying too much tax, maybe you are, but a lot of people aren't. And mm-hmm. so if you if you rebalance the burden, we probably will pay less tax, frankly. Take out the ridiculous deductions and take out the, the tax avoidance from, you know, structures and multinationals and others. We could probably carry, generate the same amount of tax revenue and pay less personal tax each. Those of us who are getting slugged full freight because we're not taking advantage of tax dodges. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, you want to pay less tax, that's how you do it. Yep. Yep. Hey, um, Ian sent me a, an email and is very gently getting right up me. So let me let me share this with you. Hi, a question for Scott, if I may. I'll get you to, to, uh, to jump in too, Ram. In the 1st of September podcast, Scott suggested we read the AICD interview with Robert Milner. It was clear from the interview that this is a highly experienced business person with an exceptional track record of delivering profits. But at what cost? Asks Ian. His response to the query on their investments in the coal industry was insightful. No mention of the climate change impact of coal, only weak excuses as to how they were good neighbours to communities in the Hunter Valley. The podcast regularly cites Philip Morris and how they continued delivering huge dividends to shareholders long after the effects of smoking were understood. I asked Sol Pats a 21st century equivalent. Scott's Twitter feed regularly discusses environmental issues and the legacy for your, quote, young bloke, quote, end quote. How do you reconcile a shareholding in Sol Pattinson? Kind regards, Ian. He says, P.S. I asked that query in the spirit of disagreeing agreeably. A tagline from the rest is politics, another of my favorite podcasts. I love this question, mate, because it's a really, really, really good one. It gets to the heart of what we do. Um... I've also addressed these kinds of issues before, so I don't want to overdo the answer or spend too long on it, not because I don't think it's worth the full and frank uh, answer, because it's a really good question. You ask it beautifully, thank you, um, but because I've kind of done it before. So let's go with a few things. Um, firstly, I have long railed against the concept of, quotes, ethical investing, a view that Andrew disagrees with, and he'll, hopefully he'll throw his thoughts back in to round out the conversation. Uh, if I don't, if I sell my shares and sell Pats, someone else buys them, does Sol Pats do anything differently? No. So I would feel better, but the, the coal doesn't cease to exist. The company shares don't cease to exist. The company doesn't cease to exist. Nothing happens. Maybe if enough of us did it all at once, the share price would fall for a bit. And then once we'd all stop doing that, the share price would recover to its reasonable value as long as there were enough potential buyers out there. Now, if we all cared about ethics and we all shut down coal mines, maybe that would be true. But I'm going to sell my shares to someone who in theory doesn't care as much as I might or uh, much, much less than you do, because you're saying you want to, you think you should sell the shares. So, uh, you know, I sell them to, let's say it's Andrew for the fun of it. He buys shares. So thanks very much, Scott. I'll buy them at a discount because they're cheap because you're selling them because you hate coal. I buy them cheap and I'm going to keep those shares and make a fortune. So the act of me selling would have bugger all impact on 
uh, on the company or on society, frankly. Uh, and so it will make no difference. And as you've think, nicely, very generously pointed out, I do talk about environmental issues a lot. We talked about, um, uh, was it Fortescue on Friday, where I said, there's, yeah, there should be more yeah. higher, higher resource rents and I own shares. I'm, I'm very, very happy to say I own Solpat shares. I own them, I'll own them for a long time, I expect. Uh, probably longer than Solpats is in coal mining, I would suspect. Uh, and I think there should be action on climate change. I can absolutely say both those things with full sincerity because I don't think one impacts the other in terms of uh, my view or my ability to make money from that shareholding. And I think two, those things at the same time can absolutely be true. Um, I also am a little bit, so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big granny, right? I think we should be up taking much, much faster climate action. I think we should be growing more trees. We should stop stuffing up the reef. Um, we, we've got to do a whole lot of stop polluting the waterways. Speaking of coal mines, by the way, there's some really crappy coal mines closer to me who've been polluting uh, waters in national parks, right? So uh, I'm, I'm far from going light on coal mines. I've, I've been very, very vocal. Here's my other thing, though, speaking of being nuanced. I am not someone who thinks Australia should stop exporting coal. Uh, not because I own sole patch shares, I could sell them tomorrow, I'd think the same thing, because I think to cause ourselves in economic damage while they, the purchases of our coal would simply buy coal from somewhere else and keep burning it would be a self-inflicted wound. I am very, very, very keen for us to stop using coal for energy generation. If coal, if New Hope Coal, which is the one that Solpats owns, uh, makes less money next year because the world, <laughs> all you stop using coal, I would be stoked. And would my shares fall in price? Probably. Do I care? On one level, I'd rather not lose money. Would I be happy with that trade-off? Absolutely in a heartbeat. But I don't think that as a, as a country, we should not sell that coal and let someone else sell the coal instead. If we're the only source of the coal, I would completely agree we should stop doing it. We're not. So they don't buy our coal, they buy someone else's coal. And we feel a little bit better about ourselves, but there's just as much pollution in the air. And again, I think that would be a pyrrhic victory. Uh, we would feel better about it. We'd all pat ourselves on the back and say, thank goodness. A little bit like, Andrew, you've seen the uh, the, the great Clark and Dorr uh, sketch, The Front Fell Off, where yes. the, the, the John Clark posing the minister says, oh, no, no, we towed it outside the environment. It's not in the environment anymore. And Brian Dorr says, but it's in some environment then. Says, no, no, it's not in the environment. It's outside the environment. You're not listening. It's not in the environment anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's too often our view with, with, uh, with environmental issues in Australia. Now, as long as it's not alcohol, it's okay if they burn it. We don't actually say that. We don't believe that's true, but we kind of think that somehow if we stopped doing it, then we'd feel better and the coal would somehow not be burnt and the energy wouldn't be generated. And I think that's probably folly. So this is a very real, hopefully, I mean, you can disagree by the way, but this is a very real view I have, which is I would love the world to stop using coal, uh, but us doing it and no one else doing it would be just, in my mind, economically irresponsible um, for Australians. But uh, I'd rather I'd rather we all stop using coal tomorrow. If I could click my fingers, and New Hope's coal business become unprofitable and stranded assets, I would love it. Do it in a heartbeat. If it meant everyone else was doing the same thing, so that that's how I do it. Um, and you might have a very different ethical view, and you're really welcome to that. If you don't want to own Solpat shares, I get it. I'm not going to make you do it. I'm not saying you should, uh, but I I see no. I I, I I can keep those two ideas in my head at the same time. And that's why I own the shares. I think it's a great business, run really well. Um, New Hope is the better of the coal miners in the country, in my view. So it's going to make money for me, hopefully, over time. Uh, I hope not for very long, much longer. I hope the world comes to a deal this year. It won't happen. But, you know, if, if I could, again, if I could clip my fingers and the world would stop burning coal this year and replace it with something else without causing, you know, um, human misery, because there are places where they don't have any alternatives. But, you know, in a perfect world, yeah, I'd love it. And if the Solpat share price fell five bucks as a result, well, you know what? I'll cop that. I'll cop that tomorrow. No issue whatsoever with that. But uh, for now, 
I'm happy to say I own self-bite shares and I will campaign for an end to coal-fired energy generation. And frankly, um, you know, metallurgical coal for steel too. If we can find green steel in a hurry, I'd be stoked with that as well. Um, but I can hold those thoughts in my, in my minds at the same time. Uh, I don't know Rob Miller's view on climate change. I don't know he's particularly exercised by the problem. Uh, do I expect that in that context, he would talk about the, the climate impact? Not really, because it's an investment magazine and you know um, that's what he's being asked about the business operations and that sort of stuff it's not really the place for it um you know i don't know if he was asked and didn't answer it after the interview didn't ask because they didn't want to i think it's i don't think we can expect sometimes you put a view on twitter you put a view on someone say yeah what about this what about that what about that? It's like man i can't give you my entire worldview every time i write a 280 character tweet um i get that occasionally sometimes on twitter uh yeah did he mention it no would he mention it every single time he talks about the company? I would. I don't think it's reasonable to do that. So, again, I'm not defending Milner. I just don't, I think in any context, not every interview you have about it about a company is going to cover every single possible part of its business and or environmental or social impact. Just not going to. So, um, yeah, that's that's my thought. Um, strong proponent of climate change action. Fast, sudden, now. Just do something. I'm very critical of Albo for campaigning on climate change and doing too little to fix it. I'm more critical of the LNP for pretending it doesn't exist. Um, you know, uh, I, I kind of wish some of the, the, well, frankly, the Greens were a more reasonable alternative government so they could actually get some of those environmental uh, desires passed, but they're also a little bit useless in a lot of areas. So, you know, I'm happy to criticize all of them for not being a better party of government and, and doing more to fix the climate, but I also can hold, hold Sol Pat shares knowing that that's the reality because if i don't own them someone else is going to and i don't see the need or the benefit in, in not owning those shares that's enough from me ram that that was the short answer <laughs> i only spoke for 24 minutes didn't i i wanted to i wanted to do okay. this question justice I, I my apologies it's all right i just i just went and mowed the lawn and came back um <laughs> uh, and by the way people in glass houses right so i i, I shouldn't be throwing rocks um uh, I, I guess what you, I just the one point I wanted to address is you said at the start we we differ on mm. our view of ethical investing and mm -hmm. it's it's I, I guess I'll clarify that a little bit the because we do but it's I think where we're aligned is I I think the idea of mandate I think ESG is the dumbest thing in the world yes me too because there's there's a lot of subjectivity mm -hmm. in all of this that's all subjectivity. By definition, you know? yeah, yeah, it's so so it's very difficult, and mm. a lot of a lot of greenwashing occurs, a mm -hmm. lot of silliness occurs, a lot of distraction occurs because of ESG. And at the same time, it's like I'm very big environmentalist. I think that we likewise mm -hmm. should be doing a lot of things. I'm also a, a pragmatist as well, so mm. I, I think that you we should be transitioning as fast as we can to other technologies and just, but whatever you can, basically it's really, it's not that complicated, right? Stop putting carbon in the air. That's it. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Don't stop it now because I still want to like cool and heat my home and cook my food and <laughs> the rest of it. Like, yeah. you know, so, so, but let's do it as fast as, as, as we can. Mm. Um, but I would say this where I, when I say I still like ethical investing, I think that you, well, you do what you you. I don't mm. I don't care. But I certainly invest I, I don't invest in things I don't believe in. Because I just don't want to support it. 
Yep. You know, and I know that I, I know that someone else will buy the shares, but mm-hmm. I, I, I will subconsciously be rooting for something if I've got a vested <laughs> financial interest in it. Yeah. You know, and I just I don't want it. That's and right, fortu- yeah. fortunately, there are other things that. Now, I'm not saying that mm-hmm. my view is right, and and that's where this ESG stuff gets a bit silly. But there are things that I disagree with, and I just don't want to support. And I don't want to see it succeed. And so I, I won't, even though someone else will. And that that's kind of cool. I do think, too, we are kidding ourselves if we expect corporations are a, a profit motivated indis- uh, organizations. Mm. That, in fact, that's, that's, that's the whole purpose is to generate yep. a profit. Yep. Now, I, I, it sounds evil. I actually think that in a, in a proper, properly structured system, the only way that you can make money is by creating value for your fellow human being. And that's that's why capitalism can can be so wonderful. Yeah. But if the rules if I if the government came out tomorrow and said heroin's legal, and guess what's gonna happen? A bunch of corporations are gonna start selling heroin. And it's kind of like, well, you, you can get angry at Woolies because there's now a heroin aisle and I can go get my heroin in an aisle two next to the cocaine and the methamphetamines. Mm, mm. Um, but I would sort of say, I think we need to, there, there are some things that need to be driven at a different institutional level, you know, i.e. government, I, I think, you know, and I'm not saying we should have huge, massive overreaching government that control every single aspect of our lives. There's, there's shades of gray here, but some, whenever mm. there's issues that deal with externalities, um, there, there needs to be some kind of, um, society community action i think to sort of put up the guardrails yeah and that's really where that where i draw the line between these things i I think that we what what government should do is sort of set the rules Mm -hmm. and then let companies have at it you know and then and then and then they'll do their thing and competition will create value for all of us i mean other when when i say that you know we, we we i will get better services i will get better products i will have a higher standard of living mm-hmm. um now if the government allows a company to do that and pump all its waste into Coogee beach <laughs> well, you know mm-hmm. of course the companies are going to do it because it's cheaper to do that right it's like you know, are they yep. are they at fault yes but but, but we let them do we <laughs> let them do that as a society mm-hmm. so i think there's you've got to direct your um anger at the right place and yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a nuanced topic, but I would just say in, in response to the the listener's question is that you're not right or wrong for mm. liking or disliking New Hope and just Correct. invest your money in a way that is personally resonant with, with your beliefs and the, no, one, no one can fault you for that. No one mm-hmm. can fault you for it. No, I think that's exactly right. And, the, and I'm, I'm, as I said, I, I'm exactly at the same, at the same, uh, the same view. Hey, sorry for banging on too long about that. I didn't realize I was chatting for a second. No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just having fun. It's all good. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Hey, let's get a question from Jason. This is, hi, Scott and Andrew. I always enjoy the honest opinions from both of you. Keep up the great work in educating us. I'm interested in your opinions on market cap weighted versus equal weighted ETFs. On one hand, the equal weighted ETF provides more exposure to small companies with greater growth potential. On the other hand, if a company grows, the equal weighted ETF will be forced to sell part of the holdings in this company in order to keep the equal weight. It prevents the ETF from increasing its holding on its winners. Which is the better long-term strategy? I'd love to hear from your, learn to, from your wisdom, Jason. And like you go first this time, mate, because I can. I actually, while you were saying that, I actually Googled equal weight versus market mm-hmm. cap weighted. 
And there's actually a full an article from the full came up. Uh, <laughs> there you go. It might be from the US actually. Okay. Uh, Sebastian Bowen, uh, Bowen being the the. Oh no, no that's Aussie. That's Aussie. Hey, yeah. okay. Yep. Um, <laughs> what's his takeaway here? This is in this great podcasting. Like, I don't know. I'm going to Google it. <laughs> the listeners are going, dude, I could have done that myself. I could have done that myself. Um, you know, it, you know it, look, it, look, it looks like the answer is it depends, um, yeah. funnily enough. Yeah. Uh, what do you say? What do you say? I, there are criticisms both ways yeah and and the, and the listeners i think nailed it there by saying that well as anything that grows you're just going to continually sell down and anything that falls away you're going to continually buy more, buy of. more of yeah it doesn't make sense yeah um at the same time i'm with the with the market cap weight i'm going to continually add more it's going to be very top heavy i'm going to continue adding more money to the bigger companies Correct. which almost definitionally have less growth potential which is why it's a complex answer mm-hmm. that, that that is here, and I, I don't have an easy answer other than to say uh, the benchmarks that we usually use in the market are market cap weighted, and we know historically at least that they've delivered yeah. pretty good results. Um, so I probably lean that way only for that that reason alone. But I, I just don't have the data at hand. So you 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 kick off and I'll, I'll I'll silently Google here in the background and find find a bit more hard data. <laughs> you want to give that away, um, mate? No, I, I actually agree with you entirely. Um, I think you know when you again the future is necessarily going to be like the past, but when you have a sense of what a market weighted index has done for a uh, hundred plus years, you want to step away from that very carefully. Be like being active as a stock picker. Uh, if you know you can get the market return, then take the market return. If you think you can beat it, then beat it by all means. But don't jump in and try and do better. Um, so that's the first thing, which is Andrew's point. I'm going to I'm going to say I'm going to use your line, Andrew. It depends, um, and it depends, frankly, on what the future is of those market weighted times. Now, if you look at if, for example, uh, the leaders in the ASX continue to be miners and banks and they continue to generate most of the returns, then being equal is going to cost you. If the smaller company is going to do better, even, even as, a, as a sector, not individually, you'll do better being equal weighted because what it basically means you're doing is you're adding, Think, don't worry about companies for now, think about sectors or, or, or market cap sizes or, or, or brackets. You're adding more money to the smaller companies and if the smaller companies outperform the larger companies as a group, then you're better off having more of your money in them. In other words, that's what would make an equal weighted ETF more successful. And it's easy to think about different ways there because uh, in the past, uh, we've said, and, and again, why it depends is because in 2021, tech was up by a third, oil was down by a third. In 2022, it was almost exactly reversed. And so you kind of say, well, actually, sorry, I should, I should take that back. Tech was up by a third in 2021. I don't know what oil, happened to oil. 2022, tech fell by a third and oil rose by a third. I know those things are true. So, in one year, in theory, the tech company is probably smaller than the oil companies, I would suspect. So you do better in year one and worse in year two by, than being market weighted. But also, think about the US where 15 years ago, the biggest companies were General Electric and General Motors and uh, you know ExxonMobil and, and those really old school industrial companies. These days, it's Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Facebook, uh, Tesla, NVIDIA, and a couple others. And so the composition changed so dramatically that, you know, again, depends on what happens from here. If the big guys keep growing at fast rates, which they are currently, 
you want more money in those guys. If they don't, you want money in the little guys. And so it really is impossible to know in advance. I can tell you, or Ram might be able to tell you what happened in the past, but I would suggest to you that because you're taking an active strategy here, the question is, will that active strategy continue in the future? And it will come down to the circumstances that we find ourselves in now. If the biggest companies in the, in the country, either in the ASX or the US or both, are still the biggest companies in 10, 15 years time, you would have been better being market weighted. If they fall by the wayside and a new generation come and pick up, you might have been better getting the growth from the, the equal weighted companies on the way through um, because it makes more sense to, to harness more of that as they grow. Uh, bottom line, I don't know the answer and I don't know that historical evidence would tell us the difference or tell us what's likely to keep happening. If, frankly, even more than normal because of the changes in the composition of the market over the past 15 years, the rise of tech, I would suggest is probably thrown out most of what came before it in terms of being indicative. Mm. That's my best guess. Ram, did you find anything? No, I mean, they are obviously they're equal weighted ETFs there, but they uh, finding the equivalent market cap mm. weighted. So the one that I found, MVP, uh, yes. only covers the top 100. Yeah. And trying to, I just couldn't find. I'm sure there's one out there because there's an ETF <laughs> invented and released every second day. Yes, exactly. Um, but no, I, and it, to your point though, what does that tell us about the future? It's difficult. It's difficult. Um, I suspect that um, they're probably going to both do reasonably okay. Yeah, I would, but not spectacular because yeah. just the sheer number of the sheer diversity that that you have in that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I just don't know. I want really unsatisfying amount of money in. Uh, the other thing, the other thing is the quality of those companies. Top one hundred probably okay. If I was going to equal weight the all odds, for example, I have far less confidence that the that the top oh. the bottom fifty companies oh, versus be- the top. Yeah, Go. ordinary companies. Yeah, you'd right? be surprised how much rubbish is in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, which is maybe not a reason not to do it. But if you think about how I'm going to have as much in, as much as I don't own BHP or like it necessarily, I don't love Commonwealth Bank. If you said have, have as much in BHP and Commonwealth Bank as you've got in, you know, crappy company number 500, I think that would be also a pretty courageous call. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it feels like it feels like maybe a bit too clever by half. Not not the question, but investing that way rather than just passively investing in the whole market and getting the market return. Let let the weightings go where they go as as the company succeed and fail. I think I'd I'd, I'd be much more comfortable being market weighted. Just because again, you're taking an active decision, right? So why why move away from the market unless you know or have a high conviction you'll beat it? And if you don't, stay with the market just as a, as a matter of course. I don't know if we've got enough of a data set to make any conclusive d- decisions either. So my, my temptation would be to say, well, just go and find some equal weights and market cap weighted and do some comparisons, mm. assuming that they've got a similar number of components that, that you know, and the, the difference is only the weighting. Yeah. But even then you might get seven, eight yeah. years and it's yeah, like, well, right. what is that? It's such a blip, right. you know, in the grand scale. Had, had we had these kinds of comparisons to make over the last hundred years, yep. then you probably get something a bit more meaningful. Yeah. Um, I mean- Even the, there, mate, the change in the categories and the sectors of the market, like just to, the, yeah. the small companies that became big and the big ones that became small, they kind of reflect, you know, meaningful stuff you know kind of structural changes in the economy even then you kind of go if i had 100 years of data how do you how do you compare the first 50 years when steel mills were steel mills and, and car makers were car makers to yeah. now and you're going to go how likely is it the future looks like the past i don't know the other thing well, by the way is market weighted not only is it the size of the profit of the business which tells you something about its economic success and therefore longevity but even just the way that you think about the the, the, the pricing of that profit based on those uh, yeah i don't know i don't know, I don't know too hard 
Oh, it's it's absolutely too hard. No, Keep no it need, just no need to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. just look. Here's the other way of doing it. Um, it's pretty much how I do it. Actually, is is um, Australia? I'm all direct investments. I just I do my own thing. I think mm-hmm. in my super, I might have some ETFs just because I got lazy and Oz Super doesn't <laughs> let me buy small caps, so mm-hmm. I kind of forced Pulled into off. that. But <laughs> but in the US, I do because I just I don't do stock picking in the US too too much to keep me busy mm-hmm. here, but. Mm-hmm. But what you could do is just buy your vanilla Vanguard st- standard yeah. e- 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 uh, index ETF. Yeah. And then say, well, but I really like company X, Y, and Z. And mm-hmm. I really like this company. So you can make the direct invest. You can kind of help weight your overall portfolio by starting with the index as a base and then directly investing into the things that you actually like. Not necessarily 50-50 or, you know, it might be that 90% is in my <laughs> ETF, 10% of my capital is direct investments. And that way I'm, I'm actually tweaking the weighting overall. And that's there's perfectly decent way of doing that. And I would say how you how you split that up would depend on your your experience, your conviction, and, and all the rest of it. So maybe you start off with ninety five percent in an ETF, and over time you 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 tweak it. You might get to a point where it's like I feel really confident in what I'm doing. I've been through a few cycles now. I really love this. I really enjoy it. So now I've got twenty percent in an ETF, and eighty percent is direct investments. You know, so it, it, it will be a personal decision, but you can do it that way as well, and you'll you'll find that um, that's where you're going to get the outperformance, right? Like. By by definition, like if you, if the, the the bigger the outperformance you want, the more you have to move away from the index. Like yeah. definitionally, uh, just remember that you can differ from the index in the downside as well. So you know <laughs> you got to you got to have some confidence in what you're doing. Yeah, that's it. That's a great question. Mate, let's finish off with a question from Dean. He says, "Gents, I'm a long time listener, first time emailer. Firstly, I stumbled upon an investment that you might be interested in." There's an emu farm for sale, he says. So it's attached. <laughs> I know you're always on. looking for diversification and often bring up investing in emu farms, so I thought you might be interested. Do you want me to forward you the details, Ray? You know, it's such a great um, thing to laugh at, but there's probably some really good emu farms. Like people out there go, dude, I've been running an emu farm for 20 years and my return on capital has been very attractive. Thank you very much. That's so right, that's I, right. I, should be, I should be fair to that, but... Uh, Look, mate, I think I think actually here's the thing. I wrote an article for Strawman recently, making the point that <laughs> if you want really great value, you have to invest in things that have some hairs on it. Like yeah, you that's have to. Yeah, like yeah. the company that everyone recognizes as being fantastic is just super expensive. Yeah, and it yeah. might be fantastic as an invest. Like the company might continue to do great things, but guess what? Everyone expected that it was in the mm-hmm. price mm-hmm. and my return. So, so if if there is an emu farm out there. Yeah. That no one is touching because it's an emu farm. <laughs> but I can buy it at one time's <laughs> earnings, you know, and there's actually earnings there and, and reasonable expectation that there'll be earnings in the future. Yep. That could yep. be an incredible investment. So there you go. You never know. Never say never, says Andrew. Never Page. say never. I like it, mate. Hey, um, so, so let's get to uh, the second question. So secondly, a question, if I may. I vaguely remember a discussion around dividend reinvestment plans or DRPs on the podcast a number of years ago but I can't for the life of me find it. Can you please discuss the pros and cons of DRPs? I currently participate in one through rural funds management and planned on doing so until the amount of money the dividends are paying me can meaningfully contribute to my income and go towards paying bills and living expenses, etc. At this stage, I would then stop the DRP and take the dividends as cash. Essentially, I want to grow my holding in the company through the DRP, then take the dividends as cash when it's a meaningful amount. If it, it makes sense in my head, 
but I may be looking at it all wrong. Any non-personal advice or thoughts and feelings on this would be greatly appreciated. Cheers, Dean. Uh, let's go with uh, let's go with pros and cons first, mate. I well, you go first. Actually, you kick off. Uh, okay, I'll do. I'll, I'll run through it and I'll let, I'll, I'll let that serve as a tee up for you to to to, <laughs> to, to elaborate on. So the first pro is, and the big one is, it it mm. allows you to compound things. I mean, you you look at total return versus capital return, and you know you start reinvesting those dividends. You you sort of juice the compounding effect. So that's really nice. You generally don't pay any brokerage, and it's automatic as well. So that's 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 also really nice. Um, the cons are that the tax is more complicated because mm-hmm. now I've got a million, you know, cost bases and I've got to pay tax on the dividend income that even if it was reinvest, reinvested, I still pay tax is if I had received the, uh, the income. Um, and the other problem that I have with it is that it, there's no, I, I, there's no choice to reweight. I, mm. I, I could take my dividend from Solpats and reinvest it into Woolies. Yep. And I'm still going to get the compounding effect. And I might do that because at, at a point in time, I feel as though Woolworths is just better value. Whereas with, with the automatic, automatic approach, I am, I am just investing into the same company. Maybe it's at a very, very unattractive price right now. Yep. So yep. they're the high-level thoughts. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, the, 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 uh, just on, that, on the tax kind of thing, the great thing about if you're not interested in an income stream, and typically just generalizing here if you're younger, you probably – shouldn't be um the, you you want the company to keep the cash and reinvest it internally yeah. provided it's got good investment opportunities because then there's no tax and the tax takes a huge chunk it really does hammer things if you're paying tax each and every year so if you can keep this way you know buffett keeps all the money mm. in berkshire and he invests it in in other companies and and there's no tax event for, for the shareholders. And that can be a really beautiful thing and that can make a really big difference over time. Now, it may be that, well, that's good now, but when I'm 65, I actually want the income stream. It's great. <laughs> you can you can mm. sell and buy it at that point in time and, and readjust kinds of things. So I feel as though a 23-year-old going for a inc- dividend-producing company isn't always necessarily the, the best bet. That's a horrible generalization because mm. a lot of people could do really well by just doing nothing <laughs> other than a very established company and, yeah. and and taking that approach. So it is generalizing. But anyway, go where you want with that, mate. Whew. Um, so uh, pros are that, as you say, and it keeps compounding happening. By the way, um, the question kind of implies taking the money or reinvesting it with a DRP. You can obviously manually de- reinvest it in the middle. So there's kind of those three options, right? You get a dividend, do you take the money and splurge it on I don't know, whatever you want to splurge it on. Do you take the money and reinvest it in something else or do you reinvest it automatically through a DRP? They're the three. So uh, DRP means you do it. It doesn't, so that you don't spend it, firstly. Secondly, even if you weren't going to spend it, it puts it straight back into the market in a way that you don't have to, um, you don't, you're not tempted to leave it sitting around doing nothing. So that's important. Uh, it can, uh, you know, uh, resolve the the. Um, paralysis of I don't know what to do with the money uh, maybe I'll get around to it maybe I'll do it soon and it can take a whole lot of stress and hassle out of it if you bought quality companies you like them buy more of those is probably a good idea more often than not and it can be a really it's like buy, it's it's the it's the ETF version of investive stock picking right it's like just do it take the DRP you'll be fine it'll be fine it'll be, you'll be completely appropriate and at least it puts the money back to work uh, you do owe a tax on it to Ram's point you have to find that tax from somewhere else so if you do a DRP it's still taxable uh, you're gonna have to pay the tax regardless of whether you take it as shares or cash 
So just be careful of that too if, you, if you're in that situation. Uh, downfalls, Rams already mentioned. You've got 20 companies. DRPing in each of the 20 means you're putting money into your 20th worst idea uh, or 20th best idea, sorry, but you know, in terms of mm. you know, rather than your best idea. So if you've got Solpats dividend, you want to buy Woolies shares, you get a Woolies dividend, you want to buy Solpats shares, uh, you want to buy something else you don't already own. Um, you know, most of us who pick stocks want to have the flexibility of doing that. For me, I when I first started, I did DRPs because I kind of thought it was a smart thing to do and it kind of was not bad. I haven't done DRP for years and years and years. I have a separate account, separate transaction account. All of my um, dividends go into that account and I reinvest from that account. I put my regular savings every time I get paid into that account as well. And so that's how the money gets in there. And I just invest that money from time to time. Uh, I think that's a theoretically better solution but I wouldn't want to discourage anyone from using a DRP if they weren't going to do anything else with the money or it was just too stressful or too hard. A DRP is perfectly fine. Like ETF investing, it's perfectly fine. Um, I don't want to dissuade you from using it. I think investing directly, deliberately, specifically, is a better option. Um, but that's, you know, uh, I, I think that's almost certainly true. As long as you're a good stock picker, by the way, but if, you are, if you're not, you probably shouldn't be buying stocks anyway. Buy an ETF and, and go fishing, as I, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I hope that, hope that answers the question. Any more on that, mate? Uh, there is a there is a lot of nuance with it. I mean, yeah. there is uh, it, it, the the great one of the things I've always liked about dividends is it does enforce more capital discipline on the board and management. Yeah, when you've it's very it's it's easy to say, hey, we're going to pay a dividend. It's very hard to take it away. Shareholders get upset. Um, And if you've committed to paying out 60% of your profits, (laughs) there's less money burning a hole in your pocket. There's nothing more dangerous than an executive Mm -hmm. with billions of dollars to spend because- (laughs) They're going to find something to spend it on. They'll find something. And and, and ego plays a big role in it because you start thinking about building your empire and your legacy more than getting really Mm -hmm. great attractive returns Mm -hmm. on investment. Now, I would say that the only time you invest money is where you you are extraordinarily confident of getting superior Mm -hmm. returns than Mm -hmm. what you could get with a, you know- Lord knows, at least the cost of capital. You know, the the what if if the if if you're the head of Woodside and you're going to invest in a project that's going to get you what I could get on a ten year bond, <laughs> like what are you doing? You're taking all yeah. this risk when you could yeah. do that. It's stupid. So it, it so pay it out, and I'll make yep. the decision. And now yep. now the decision is 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 on me. And and we just know what humans are like. So it's sort of like that's the great thing about dividends. I I really think beyond beyond that they they give you some some cash in your pocket. Um, and that's super important for when I'm at a stage where I just I want to make my money. I'm not working. I want my money to work for me. I get these lovely franking credits and all the things that we know and love about dividends. Fantastic. That 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 is that is brilliant. But there's a company that I own at the moment. I said directly to management the other day. It's like why? Are you, and they say, oh, we're going to pay dividends. And it's like why? You're mm. a growth company. Uh, you know, it's probably because the, they they just they want they want to help support the share price and I kind of get it, but it's like, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. If I was after an income investor, I'd buy something else, right? Yeah. You're, you are at a stage where you have incredible growth opportunities and it's right in front of you and you're going to hamstring yourself by paying it out to me. Mm. So and anyway, it's, that's why, as I say, it's, it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely, definitely is. Mate, I reckon that's all we've got time for. Thank you for joining me for this podcast. A little less, uh, Ranty than our Friday episode, and hopefully we answered some some good questions. For Friday was listeners. very ranty, yes. That's yes. good, though. Cathartic. Hey, uh, will you come back on Friday? Yeah, let's do it. 100%. Excellent. Until then, have a great weekend. Enjoy daylight saving. Full on. Cheers. 
The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691.